right, and we're back with another episode of the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. It's Gerald Glassford coming right back at you here from Lakers Fast Break, Pop Culture Cosmos, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, and Game Source. We truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our great shows. Well, I'll tell you what, it is getting closer and closer to a big announcement by the NBA there as they go ahead and formulate a plan to come back onto the court. Looks like more and more to the chagrin of everybody here in Las Vegas that is going to be in Orlando in the Disney ESPN Wide World of Sports area and the complex that they have there. So everybody's gearing towards it. Everybody's looking towards the announcement. Probably going to happen as far as the season taking place mid to late July. I'm going to say late July just because be on the safe side or whatnot. But it looks more and more like it's heading in that direction. And here today to talk with me about that and some other topics as well just so glad to have him back once again you got to check out his work from not only the stepian.com but perspective insight if you can as well he's, he just puts out some great stuff and on top of that on top of that he and his brother talk argue also as well they just have a great conversation and a great rapport with each other but you know how brothers are each and every time that they have on their new podcast called Viceland with an S. That's Viceland with an S right there. V-I-S, not V-I-C. Don't, don't, you know, Vice does good stuff, but no, this is Viceland. Now it's available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, and so much more. It is a good man indeed. It's Michael Weisenberg. And Mike, just great to have you back on the program. Thanks so much for having me and shouting out Viceland. We're very happy about it. Uh, Jason, my brother and I have been planning this for a very long time and we finally got it going. Our third episode for the Western Conference all-time teams are, is coming out uh, on Wednesday. And uh, so that would be May 27th. And yeah, so yeah, we're very excited to have that. Thank you so much for shining it out. And it's great to be back on Lakers Fast Break. Well, thank you, my friend, as well. But he hasn't disowned you yet after your arguments on the on the Eastern Conference teams yet. No, he? no, okay. he, he surprisingly has not. And <laughs> we have eight more to come. And uh, we even have a few, at least one change we made to the Eastern Conference teams that I think people might get kind of a kick out of. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I saved that for the end. But our, our Western Conference teams sure to have a lot of debate there, and we'd love to hear about it. Uh, so yeah, hopefully you can check out Viseland. We did uh, an episode on the Eastern Conference all-time teams, and then we did the worst ever NBA All-Stars in our opinion, and we have more ideas to come and hopefully some fun guests in the future. And that was quite a list, by the way. So you got to check that out. First of all, if you're not sure where to go, the best place to go is on Twitter at NBA Draft Mikey V. That's at NBA Draft Mikey V because he will retweet all the time exactly where you can find the show. His brother also will help as well. You can get his Twitter at Jay Weisenberg, at Jay Weisenberg. So either which way, they will help direct you to these programs. Remember, it's Viceland with an S, Viceland, V-I-S-E-L-A-N-D. That kind of kind of flowed well there, you know. Yeah. <laughs> That's but what Yes, yes, there you go. But I'll tell you what, my friend, it's just great to have you here as we get closer and closer to a probable NBA season or whatever they're going to do, some type of truncated type deal. 
that may I don't know that there's still talk of possible regular season games, but it's kind of leaning. If you listen to all the reports out there, whether it's ESPN, The Athletic, or whoever you see, Yahoo and whatnot, that it's looking more and more like it will just involve either the one to sixteen playoff teams in a one to sixteen type scenario, or a play-in type scenario for the teams that are ranked seven to twelve in each conference. I wanted to get your input and buy-in on this. Is this something that you prefer as far as just going with the teams that have a chance for the playoffs and just eschewing the other teams like Golden State, Atlanta, Detroit, the teams that have zero chance of doing anything productive for the rest of the season? Do you think that this is the way to go? And which playoff format would you be more interested in as an NBA fan? Yeah, certainly unprecedented times. So if they wanted a chance to do something a little different, I, I think this is the, the chance to do it. Um, I saw Damian Lillard today saying that if he has no chance at the playoff and they're just playing those last few games, he, he's not coming back. I, I don't think he's alone. I, I, I don't understand why um, teams would go through basically a month of training camp just to play like five or six games to end the season. It uh, is about the money, though, when yeah, they consider the money, that. The money definitely would be the, the one incentive to do so. But at the same time, if you, you're basically having a six-game season uh, to, to finish it out, and I, I get not being too enthused about that. Yeah. Um, especially, you know, when you take into account the uh, health repercussions that go along with it, the fact that you're going to have to be likely quarantined at Disney Wild World of Sports and – all, all those things go into it. So there, there's the money that goes into even making it happen has to be taken into account as well. And I, I think that's probably why the NBA seems to be leaning towards just doing the playoffs. And uh, I know the the whole thing was that they wanted to get to the magic number of uh, 70 games so they didn't have to pay back the smaller market um, TV uh, channels. Yeah, the regional and, networks and all that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the regional networks. So I think uh, right now I, I like either the 1-16 to 16 playoff format or just doing like Eastern Conference, Western Conference uh, playoffs. I do feel like they are going to need like a, a couple games or like some ex exhibition style games to uh, get back into it. I've also heard of um, they're thinking of doing like the World Cup format of like group play. Uh, a lot of ways to go. I think the 1-16 to 16 sounds really interesting to me. And yes, it would be different. Um, would it be a typical NBA championship? You're, I don't think you're going to get that this year. So I, I think you just need to be happy with uh, kind of what they come up with. And um, if they can get everybody together in one place, safe, and have this kind of playoff final, I think that's kind of the best case scenario at this point. What's well, funny because uh, first off, uh, I think anything over sixty games because they played all the, all these teams have played over sixty games, so pretty much Absolutely. you've played about seventy eighty percent of the season already. So, you know, if you were tried something entirely different, that would basically wash out any success that all these teams, especially at the higher end of the conferences, had. That would be kind of unfair to me. Uh, yeah, I speak as a Lakers fan, of course, uh, but even if it was like for the Clippers, for the Bucks, for anyone else out there, 
that had a really successful season. You've played the majority of the season. It's not like you only played 20 games that you were done. You played yeah. the majority of the season, so at least that should come into play. But I'm also thinking as well, you talked about the quarantine aspect, which is correct, uh, because you know in the state of Florida, they still have the lockdown. Anybody flying in could still be under quarantine for a period of time. But I could just imagine the Lopez brothers being in Orlando, especially even if, if uh, Brooke Lopez is in his home on the facility that he has in Orlando or being quarantined with the rest of the players and being so, so close to four different Magic Kingdoms, four different Disney parks in Disney World, and yet not being able to go there on yeah. this time out. <laughs> It'd be torture yeah. for them. It'd be uh, torture. Absolutely. Like, I, that, that's just something I think about. Like, these are NBA players. You know that they're having fun once their their job is done. Like yeah. you know, they they want to go out. Uh, they want their families there. Are, are their families going to be quarantined? Like there there are a lot of logistical issues that you have to to think about for this whole thing to work. And then having the thirty teams there with fourteen of the teams knowing that you know there there's enough of a cushion right now where I don't think the ninth seed is going to make it over the eighth seed in either conference. No. So, yeah, like, are, are they really going there? Just I, the money is one thing, but I, I think at this point, people are, are looking at, at the safety repercussions and um, it may not be worth it. So, exactly. Yeah. I, I, I think just the, the, at least they're thinking about it. And I, I know that they're going to be very safety conscious. They're going to take the money to make sure that testing is readily available. And uh, I think they're they're going to do their best, but yeah, it's it's quite an undertaking. It's quite an undertaking indeed, and you're right. Uh, and I agree with Damian Lillard. If he doesn't have a chance to play in a play-in tournament, there's really no no incentive for him to just go there and play out the string. Yeah, I understand that they would have to pay the money back to regional networks, but at this point in time, health and also the fact that you want to get this thing done before Labor Day because. God forbid they would want to go ahead and compete against the NFL. Yeah, uh, I mean, you could just do alternate days against what the NFL schedule is. It's not like the NFL plays every single day of the week. But, exactly. okay, I'm not going to get into that as far as, okay, you because you, it seems like everybody's so fearful of going against the NFL. Yeah. Then why would you do it on a Sunday at 1 o'clock? Okay, that, again, that's another thing aside. You're, they want to go ahead and speed this up. They want to go ahead and, and – do it in the shortest amount of time with the maximum amount of impact. I get that as far as the ratings are concerned because this is their chance to go ahead and try and gain back some of these lost viewers that they've had over the past 12 months, even with the tragedies that happened and the high ratings for some of the Lakers games. I know for a fact overall that viewing is down uh, for the NBA at this point in time because younger audiences primarily are going to other things, streaming and doing other things outside of going ahead and watching NBA. And this is something that all pro sports has to deal with because as you and I both are seeing, people are just tuning out sports and going into other, other things. Yeah. Well, and, uh, I, I just think with the fact that people now are staying more at their home and kind of the world has changed, I, I wonder what the repercussions of that will be. And then the other thing with you saying that, uh, you know, Las Vegas is disappointed that they're likely not going to have uh, the NBA. Well, I don't think anybody's going to be able to go. <laughs> I think it's just a prestige. With us yeah, here absolutely. at Vegas, it's a prestige thing. It's kind of yeah. thing like, okay, yeah. you want to hold a convention? Yeah. You yeah. come here. Yeah. 
and it, July in Las Vegas is usually like basketball time. Like, yes. you know, that would be the other thing that would be kind of fitting with uh, it being there. But yeah, if they have the ability to, you know, have that kind of enclosed facility and, uh, you know, it, it works, whatever works for them. And uh, yeah, just in terms of playoff formats, I'm, I'm really interested to see what happens. I think the one to 16 is, is intriguing. Yeah. And um, yeah, I, I just um, am on the edge of my seat to see what they finally decide to do once they have the board of directors meeting. If I was a betting man, and I should be here in Vegas a little bit more often than I do, I would probably say that the betting line is probably 1 to 16. I think you're right. And the ratings right now, I mean, NASCAR came back originally, what, last weekend to some really high ratings. I know this golf tournament that, or the golf charity thing that Tiger and Phil with Tom Brady and Peyton Manning, that they just did, that garnered high ratings. So anything that's coming out right now, is going to get at least a good spotlight initially. So they have to be very, very, very wary of that as far as the NBA is concerned. So at least initially they're going to get a lot of eyes. It's whether they can sustain it by providing something in, very interesting. And some of the matchups like you've already seen and what's already been talked about, if it were to go to a 1-16 to scenario, could be very interesting, not only for the Lakers but some other teams as well. I mean, we even heard a Lakers-Brooklyn scenario would be right now a 215 matchup, which if Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving were to come back would be very interesting for the league to follow. Absolutely. I have a feeling that Kevin Durant is not coming back. I think Kyrie certainly has a chance. But, yeah, like Brooklyn would be a team that I don't think anybody would want to face if uh, they had to all of a sudden go up against a Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving combination, along with the talent that they already have on that team. Like, I, I was looking at um, just some of the head-to-head matchups during the regular season, and the Lakers beat Brooklyn the first time they played them. But actually, their last game before uh, COVID-19 started was against the Nets without Kyrie, yep. and they lost that game by two points. I, it just – it, it would – the other thing I wonder is if they're going to have seven-game series. Like, I just wonder if they're not going to possibly shorten the games. I, um, I know there's a movement yeah. to go for the seven. I think there's yeah. a really strong movement for the seven. That's that's what I heard too. But if you want to possibly, you know, speed it up and have the first round be a little bit shorter, uh, go back to the classic five or maybe even three. Yeah, that, that's when things could get really interesting. If that's um, the case, I would I would actually move in the the play in tournament. Yeah. Be honest with you. If you make the first round shorter, I would add that in to spice it up. Yeah, it's certainly a possibility. And I I think uh, yeah, I, I'm looking at some of these matchups, and th- there could be a few upsets. Not very. I feel like at the top, like once you get to the whole like one sixteen thing, like that that really. Get, makes the top advantageous, especially if you're going into a multi-game series. One game, like, you know, anything can happen, but I'm sure they're going to do a multi-game series. But, yeah, I feel like once you get further into the playoffs, that's when the upsets could really go down. And And the thing uh, is, it's on a neutral site, so that could change a lot as far as these teams that really play well at home. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And then – you don't know exactly what these players are doing uh, in the meantime. And yeah. it, 
I'm sure if you are a professional, you likely were training and trying to go through the regular regimen that you would keep your body in shape. Uh, I, I absolutely feel they need that month uh, or maybe even more to get into shape and to you know get ready to play playoff level basketball, which uh, is different from the regular season. A lot more grinding, a lot more half court. So yeah, wear and tear on the body for sure. And that's the other health factor that you need to take into account as well is uh, you want to prevent injury. And I think that it, it could be a very interesting playoffs this year if this is what we go to. And it would be like a, a whole different ballgame. I don't know if they would be able to do anything like it again. But yeah, like this is a, definitely a year where they can experiment with uh, this new concept. And, I, you know, with the All-Star game, the using the uh, All-Star game draft, for instance, you know, because the Eastern Conference was losing every year. <laughs> like, this this is a, a whole other thing where you could possibly have two Western Conference teams in the finals or even two Eastern Conference teams in the finals. You could really see uh, what would happen if they, for years, have been talking about this uh, 1 through 16 system. Well, that's true. And it's something that, that that's I know they talked about it. I, again, it's during a normal scenario you're talking about logistics and travel and things of that nature yeah. and how fair it is but then again memphis is in the western conference so you mm -hmm. know this the nba still hasn't gotten some things right that they still need to address at some point in time but i i kind of think that the 116 scenario works but if they do make the first round shorter then i think they need to go ahead and allow for a buy-in tournament to spice things up even more but if they keep it at a full seven then yeah, I would just go ahead straight into the playoffs. Maybe a couple warm-up exhibition games like you were talking about yeah. that obviously would get everybody started. I was talking to Raphael earlier this week about you know the, the preparation that's needed uh, anywhere from four to six weeks because as you and I have seen in strike-shortened seasons, whether it's uh, the NBA or NFL, we see a lot of hamstrings. Actually, Raphael was talking a lot about groin pulls, which was also something mm -hmm. we see. A lot of these little nicks and knack injuries that we don't see normally at this point in time in the season because everybody's so used to a, a regular regimen. So I, I'm hoping they'll get enough time so that we don't see as much of this play out as I'm, I'm fearing it will be once we see the first, what, first week or two weeks, 10 to 14 days of this uh, whatever schedule format that they ultimately end up doing because I have a feeling we're going to see a lot of these little injuries uh, yeah. because of the fact that some of these guys were just, you know, they just didn't stay in shape. Yeah, we, we'd hope to just prevent as many of those as possible. And yeah, like the last thing you want to happen is for teams not to be on that equal playing field in terms of whoever is healthy. So, and then, you know, the worst case scenario last year with uh, Golden State, and that was wear and tear of the NBA season. But yeah, like losing two of the best players in the NBA uh, during the NBA finals was devastating. And you wouldn't want that to happen here. No, no, not at all. We're signaling the ref for a quick timeout, but we'll be back with more of the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. Check out what's been going on with the Pop Culture Cosmo Show and the PCC Multiverse. 
I see the potential for basically like another Netflix kind of paradigm shift where here comes this other major player. They have a ton of resources. Apple could change the way that entertainment is consumed. They say it's the only time this year that you'll have stars from each brand battling each other. And we know it's not going to be the case, but they like to say that and more power to them, I guess. Well, it's a big first step bringing all those superheroes together. There were definitely some parts of the movie that I that I really enjoyed. And then there were some parts that I thought just kind of fell short of expectation. Part of it has to be something to do with how it's being promoted. And this is a thing where audiences do not agree with critics. That's the Pop Culture Cosmo Show. And the PCC Multiverse, every week on Apple Podcasts. And over a dozen of your favorite streaming and podcasting options. But I wanted to go ahead, and this was part of our agenda, but I think I'll throw it in here since it's on, we're staying on the subject. Do you see, let's, let's just say we're going to go, Michael Weisenberg is now the commissioner of the NBA, and he's spoken with the board of governors, and he's spoken with all the owners and all that, and spoken with the players, and you know the numerous amount of hours it's going to take to negotiate all this, and negotiated a 1-16 to 16 type format. In the scenario that you've, you've already taken a look at and you've seen the, the potential matchups, do you see any playoff upsets or do you see any upsets that really stick out to you possibly as something that, yeah, you know what, I think that's really going to work out in the favor of this team or that team because we're in a neutral court type scenario? Yeah, I'm just looking at things. I think that a lot of second round games would be very intriguing to me. As far as first round, I think Utah just announced that uh, Bojan Bogdanovic is out for the rest of the year. So I, I certainly think, and, and then you also have to deal with the team chemistry there. Uh, there's no way they're going to be able to trade Donovan Mitchell or Rudy Gobert or do anything there. And apparently they are not on the best of terms. So I think Houston could win that one. And then um, as far as Another one I was looking at, Celtics 76ers could at least be an interesting matchup. I was thinking the same thing. Yeah. I I think the Celtics just seem to be really cohesive and have a great group. And Jason Tam is taking that next step and is playing fantastic basketball. But. Yeah. Philly's so talented. So uh, talented. That that front court with Joel Embiid. Ben Simmons. Philly is not going to be an easy out. No. Um, I think that yeah. actually, to me, would be the where I would point to. You're right on Utah and Houston, but Philadelphia and Boston is a place where I'd look to as well just because of the sheer size over what Boston can do. So if it gets mm-hmm. into an ugly-type format as far as a lot of uh, lower field goal percentage, a lot of mm-hmm. shots need to be taken up, a lot of rebounds need to be made, I would probably lean more towards Philadelphia because they have so much more size than what Boston can offer. Yeah, it's just Boston has the shooting. That's the one thing that gives them an advantage in a half-court setting as well. In in second-round matchups, like I think that Denver-Raptors game would be, or series, would be really interesting. And uh, I I got a chance to go to um, game three of Portland-Denver last year. It was the four overtime classic, and oh my! That was God. just an awesome game. Incredible, man! NBA Incredible. fans' dream, right yeah. there. NBA and fans Jokic, dream. Jokic was amazing. Yeah, 
Jamal Murray, the guards, like Gary Harris's defense. I, I felt um, bad though for Jokic because yeah. he was so exhausted, and oh, you ask bad. him, and you ask him to make those free throws, and he he just he made one of two, and it, you yeah. could see it on his face. It, he just had no more energy left. He 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 was like it was just too many minutes for him. Yeah, and uh, he was still fantastic. He's he's such a unique and he, he's a great player. And they, yeah, that Raptors-Denver series would be one that I would love to see in the playoff. Like, getting a chance to see a, a seven-game series of that is going to be a lot of fun because the Raps are a great team as well. And they have a very deep bench. Um, Pascal Siakam is taking the next step. Kyle Lowry is a hard-nosed playoff competitor. It, that that that's a, a game that I'm looking at and just thinking it would be wonderful to see. Uh, the Lakers Rockets uh, talk about size versus uh, a different concept as well. Um, I, I definitely give the advantage to the Lakers and playoff LeBron and playoff Anthony Davis. But like, they haven't handled it well when they went to that format. In fact, they lost yeah. that first game. Houston, I think, uh, yeah, debuted I it. Yeah, so it's like uh, yeah. it may not be the easiest thing in the world if they yeah, well, if they plan it right. Yeah, well, we'd see how it works because Houston, when they have those five out guys, like it's it's very interesting. If they're hitting shots, then it's very very difficult to beat them. Um, they can make switches at the drop of a dime. Like it's uh, a very interesting look. And then you know you still have James Harden, Russell Westbrook, as far as star power goes. And uh, yeah, the defensive versatility, the shooting, the Lakers would need to be on their game for that. And if the, I think the Clippers and the Bucks align, it would be in the yeah, semifinals. Yeah, the Clippers and the Bucks would be uh, the one-four if uh, everything was chalk, and that would be almost like what I would think an NBA Finals might be, uh, and that would be like the conference finals where it, it was kind of like uh, back in the day when the Western conference final was basically the, the NBA finals. <laughs> so yeah, which it, it almost was kind of the equivalent of uh, the last few years, but yeah, it, I just, you're looking at some of those matchups and the cross conference uh, rivalries or interconference rivalries. It would be very cool. And the thing is, if you're talking about a lot of, you know, people say, oh, well, they didn't finish the season as far as the regular season is concerned. So whoever's the world champion would have an asterisk. You know, if you're the Milwaukee Bucks and you would have to beat the Clippers in a semifinal and then the Lakers in a final, you don't not you not only do not get an asterisk, you might yeah. get an asterisk to say you did better. With the seven game series. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're getting the right. You're a champion. Yes, it's a definitely extenuating circumstances, but yeah, if they're doing a seven-game series here, uh, I think whoever wins the title is a champion. Like absolutely, you know, I I agree with you wholeheartedly on that. Yeah. So, because... it, 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 it's a little different, or like you know, fewer games. I, I get possibly having the asterisk there, but if they're doing a straight-up playoffs, yeah, I, I think that that's an absolute right. And, and you, don't, you don't count LeBron's first NBA championship as an asterisk to me. No. And that was the, during a, a lockout shortened season. So, yeah. Yeah. And it's funny because, like I said, if, if you – or if you're the Clippers and you would have to face the Bucks and then the Lakers. Yeah. Uh, and then the Lakers if um, you had to face yeah. the Bucks and whoever. Yeah. It's just – yeah. the matchups 
in this type of scenario are very tantalizing, especially as it gets closer and closer. Then all those questions that we talk about, oh, well, what if this had happened? What if that had happened? A lot of those go away in a 1-16 to type format. Yeah, absolutely. And well, look at Toronto last year even. like the, Beating Philly in seven games, being the Bucks in six games, the Warriors are an easy out. And even even with the injuries, like you know, that that's a team with tons of experience. But yeah, this would be a, a whole different ball game if uh, Milwaukee had to possibly face the, the Clippers or having like a full LA uh, final. Yeah, like, unreal. That would be that would blow my mind, and that would yeah. blow a lot of people's mind in Southern California, just like that. That would be really cool to see. I know for a lot of people, except for the rest of the country, be like very angry about that, but. LeBron versus Kawhi. LeBron in a seven-game series. Yeah. I, I, I think uh, they, they'd eventually chill. And then LA is such a big market in itself. Like you know, you have that huge market there, and I know that there would be lots of people interested in that series. And the thing is, if it's such a great success, I think it would probably be something that they would consider for the future. Although the yeah. travel in a normal yeah, scenario. That, yeah. That would be the issue. That that's be something maybe hold it back. But people would be so excited if it works out and it pans out in the way that they would like to see it. If it goes to that type of scenario, yeah, I, I don't think we would ever go back if that's the case. And then maybe even I, I know this kind of sounds crazy, and I, I wouldn't want to think about it for local fans who have followed the team all year and everything like along those lines. But having a single location. Yeah. is something that they might think about as well. Like uh, making it like a World Cup kind of event and, and having that maybe multiple locations in like the same kind of area. Uh, but, but you would have to put it in a stadium. I would think you'd have to put it in a yeah, yeah, yeah. Would, it Not just an arena. Yeah, it would have to be enormous. Uh, it would if for at least like say like the NBA finals or to make up for that lost revenue to those different places and whatnot. Absolutely. You could do maybe like the like the Denver Indiana series could still be in an arena format, but to have like you were talking about a World Cup format in a fifty thousand seat stadium between uh, let's say the Lakers and the Bucks or the Clippers and the Bucks or who, Lakers and Clippers that type of scenario that yeah. could sell out uh, a fifty thousand seat. Yeah. 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 So, there you go. You know what? You'd be a great commissioner. I'm going to talk to Adam Silver right now to see when he retires, he needs to go ahead and go and reach out to Twitter to at NBA Draft Mikey V to go ahead and, you know, he's got it running for us. I, 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 he's doing a good job, but, yeah, I, I'd be more than happy to come up with the talk ideas with him and, and go over it. But, yeah, I think whatever they're going to come up with is uh, likely going to be uh, pretty cool and uh just working for whatever we have left going on for the rest of the season. So let's say you take the job over from Adam Silver. Would your brother be always texting you with ideas from afar? I would hope so. I would need them. <laughs> Either that or be like, hey, bro, I need tickets, man. I need tickets. Yeah, and then, and then just be like, he probably wouldn't even ask me for tickets. <laughs> He'd just be watching at home. There you go. There you go. He'd be good there. We'll be back with more of the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. Needing an edge for your fantasy football team? Listen to the guys at Inside Sports Fantasy Football. 
for insight that will help you reach your league championship. That's Inside Sports Fantasy Football. Check it out today on your favorite podcast outlet. Well, I'll tell you what, it's been great talking to you, but before we head on out, and once again, I'm speaking to Michael Weisenberg from The Step In and Perspective Insight, plus also check out his great podcast with his brother that I just mentioned, Viceland with an S. Viceland with an S. You can catch it today on all your major podcast formats and on YouTube. They had a great conversation already on two occasions, so you got to check out their new podcast out. Please, Viceland with an S. But before we head on out, I want to go ahead and ask you, you know, because you are one of our draft gurus that we bring on the show, and you did such a great job on, on our actually most popular episode that we've ever had, which is the mock draft, uh, the first round, the one where you did so well, and I didn't, unfortunately. But anyways, oh, come on. I have the, the faces. If people see the YouTube channel, they can see the face. You'd see the faces of everybody when I'm picking. But second round, I did a lot better. But anyways, you know, I wanted to ask you, because – the NBA recently announced that the lottery is being moved. And, of course, we all know that the draft is being moved back and whatnot. And we're still seeing some minor changes between players that are staying in the draft. And then the UCLA player who who said he's going back, he's, he's coming back. So you're seeing a little bit of fluctuation as far as that's concerned. And also the NBA is extending its deadline for players that want to decide whether or not they're going to stay into the draft or not. Is there any real action that you're seeing from all the tape that you're evaluating in your mind, from your mock drafts, from what you're seeing, any movement as far as players up or down in a dramatic way? Because I'm still seeing, even at this point in time, people reevaluating and evaluating and reevaluating, and on a second and third look, prospects still jumping down or up 10 to 12 spots I see on various mock drafts. Yeah, they're still going over guys and getting more information and then finding who's going to be staying in the draft. And it only takes one team to fall in love with a player. So, you know, you saw like a few years ago, Bruno Caboclo going to 20 in the draft. Like the Raptors loved him. They were looking at him in the second round. They didn't think they would get him in the second round. And he ended up uh, just going there at 20 because they were more interested in him than other players on the board. He is the famous um, two years away from being two years away. That was what Fran Fraschillo said. Yes. And he wasn't necessarily wrong. Bruno's still around, though. Yes. And, uh, the Grizzlies, I think, correct? Um, Grizzlies? I think, I think he's with Memphis still. Yeah. But, yeah or somewhere along them. <laughs> he's still in the NBA. He's, he's still, still there. Two and years away. <laughs> still an intriguing guy. Uh, still, still pretty young. But uh, to answer your question... Yeah, just looking at more film, some of the names that I'm hearing and, and liking, maybe a little more. Nobody's going crazy or, or like just falling completely down my board or up my board, but some names that I, I'm really intrigued by. Alexei Pokashevsky. Just want to pinpoint him. A lot of people are very, very high on him, especially in this draft where you know the star upside isn't necessarily out of this world for the top few players. And then th there are a bunch of good role player possibilities. But if you want somebody to, to shoot for the stars with, you have a player like him who uh, plays right now in the Greek second division for the most part with uh, Olympiakos. And he is super intriguing due to the fact that he's seven feet, seven foot three wingspan. 
he moves very, very well. And he can shoot in a, a bunch of different ways. He can shoot off of movement. He can shoot off the bounce. He's a really good passer. So that, that's another thing that pops with him. And then um, his defensive awareness and uh, intuition, both things that really stand out with him. A couple other players I, I, I was looking at um, as possible risers, uh, Kira Lewis Jr., who uh, was a point guard for Alabama. Another guy who is very quick, uh, can make passes off of movement, has some shooting potential and uh, ability to get to the basket. Not the, the biggest guy, and that's another thing with Pokashevsky as well. They both need to add some weight and some strength, but uh, the tools are there, and they're both very intriguing prospects. And then another uh, role-player guy who could possibly – I've seen him late first. I've seen him – possibly in the lottery, is uh, Patrick Williams out of Florida State. Guy with, who's probably the youngest college player who will be drafted. Uh, he was born in August and had a, a solid freshman year for Florida State. Showed really good defensive tools. Showed some potential uh, as a scorer as well. And a really good body that you can build off of. Some worries about his movement, but just smart in a lot of other ways and uh, a lot of things that you can build with uh, in terms of uh, looking at the NBA. Now, as far as guys falling, I I'm looking at just the league in general. Some big men might be falling down the draft a little bit. Uh, the, the guys that I was thinking of, maybe like Rony Perry, Isaiah Stewart, Daniel Turu, um, Yudoka Azubuke, just – the, the more traditional centers are not the hottest targets right now. Guys who I'm sure can get on NBA teams and will have stints in the league, but probably don't have the, the highest draft stock at this current juncture. I don't blame you. I, I think that's something that a lot of teams are seeing out there is the fact that the big man era, I don't want to say it's over, but it is on life support in many different ways. And yeah. The way that the big man has to be, I just say, has to play to be a major yeah. contributor. It has changed and evolved. I mean, you could go and be like a Rudy Gobert that's a major defensive force, but at times Rudy Gobert can be played off the court so because he mm -hmm. can't shoot. And the thing is with these big guys now, like you said with Pokashevsky, the reason why he is so enamoring is the fact that he can be somewhere on the floor and be able to provide that type of shooting, possibly. He could very well become the next Dragon Bender, but he does need to be, I think he needs to get a little bit more strength. Uh, that's Absolutely. something that, yeah. you know, that's something you, know, you that, see. That is, I think one of the biggest things with him is if he's going to be able to play in the NBA right away and give you many minutes, but he, he's more of a, a long-term projection yeah. kind of guy. But, yeah, just the, the tools are absolutely evident when you watch him play. And that's why he's he's still either at a good spot or rising of draft force because he has that potential. Whereas you see someone like Daniel Turu or the, you know, the, the uh, like like you were talking about with Isaiah Stewart, who had such promise and was held in, was held in such high regard, is because of their more traditional big man from an era gone by. And we're seeing the fact that you, that you can really play those guys off the court really quickly. Mm -hmm. 
That's and a, yeah, and then even with offense, like, you know, you're not necessarily running your offense through post-ups anymore because it's not as effective. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so just th those factors, uh, you want, it, I don't think big men are, are gone, but they're looking for a different skill set, like you said. Yeah. Uh, I think that they're looking for some different things. Now, all the guys that I mentioned can rebound. It's just the defensive factor. I, I think it is really big there. You want somebody that, that's uh, versatile, that can possibly switch, or you need to be a really high-level rim protector, if so. And then, um, yeah, just otherwise, you're kind of dropping a, a backup big to play spot minutes. And you can usually find that either later in the draft or for a pretty decent value at this point for agency. Because there's, to me, in my opinion, and correct me if I'm wrong, there is a very small amount of big men that can go out and guard on the perimeter. Because you and I yeah. see it all the time where the little guard sees the seven-footer, he switched on him, and he backs him up, and he's toying with the seven-footer until the shotgun goes to two or three, one or whatnot and puts it up and puts yeah. it in. And we see this all the time easy now. Look. Yeah, easy look. And it's just it, – even with the more effective bigs like Brook Lopez, Rudy Gobert, we're seeing yeah. this as far as them isolating and teams mm -hmm. isolating these players because they know they can get them. You're trying to find a big man who can serve both purposes – shoot decently at a decent clip, still be able to play inside and get you some rebounds of block shots on the defensive end, but be able to switch out and play effective enough defense on these guards. You're not asking for miracles. You're just asking no, to go no. ahead and not be played off the court. Get to the point where you're effective enough defensively where you can at least challenge enough shots to make sure that they don't go and exploit it as a major part of a flaw in your defense. Yeah, and uh, just for playoff basketball, that, that's huge. And yeah. that's why those types of big men are becoming so valuable. And there aren't many of them. But, yeah, if, if you have one or you could possibly be one, then your draft stock is, is looking very good and you will be paid very handsomely. And that's true. It's funny because – you know, JaVale McGee, you know, you, you know him as the starting center for the Lakers, but he's in, what, 15, 20 minutes max. He's yeah. he's only put in a certain period of time. Same thing with Golden State when he was put in for certain specific times, certain specific plays. But when he played in the finals, he was paired up and he was often switched upon by guards and guards could not score on him because mm -hmm. he was quick enough and athletic enough to be able to go ahead and contest the shot. Yeah. And that's what you need to see from a big person out there, a big man, for them to stay on the floor. They need to be able to go ahead and switch and be effective enough where they can contest the shot effectively and not from 10 feet out because you're so scared of them driving by you, but right yeah. in where they can put a hand in their face. So yeah, and that's the, the guy I, I even more think of with the Lakers is Anthony Davis. Yeah, like, oh, know, absolutely. Of you, course. you don't get much more versatile than him. Yeah. And uh, if he's playing some minutes at center, like it's tough to play him off the court because he's going to make you pay if you go small on him. Yeah. So, Absolutely. yeah, that's why seeing two guys like Anthony Davis and LeBron James play together in the playoffs is like top of my list. I absolutely, I'm just dying to see that happen. 
I'm wi- I'm you'll forgive me. I'm wiping my face because I'm salivating at that prospect right now. <laughs> Absolutely. So, yeah, it's just something. As a Lakers fan, I I don't want to get too pumped up because then I'll be burnt out by late July or late you know August by when it finally really happens. So I'm just trying to keep calm, keep yeah. controlled, and and uh, like I said, green too. Yeah, I'm I'm hoping for that. I'm very very intrigued. Playoff Rondo. I don't know about uh, that. Yeah, we're not there. <laughs> yeah, we're not going there. Believe that's Playoff Caruso. Yeah, you, you, that? exactly. Playoff Caruso. I mean, you could just hear my first twenty episodes about Playoff Rondo and what I think of that. But yeah, yeah need I digress? Kyle Kuzma. Now, Kyle Kuzma can't shoot anymore like he used to, but he has been playing better defense. So you know, this could be a time where he could be effective. And I know some people are snickering out there as far as Lakers fans, but. As someone who has really improved from being a joke on the defensive end to this season actually being challenged to guard the Russell Westbrooks and wings and bigger guys as well, he's been given that task and he's done a formidable job. So he could find himself doing something like that in a playoff run, even with his shot as struggling as it is. Yeah, and you know he's going to get you buckets off the bench anyway. Like we know that he can create at least a bit for himself and he's another viable scoring option for the team so yeah he'll absolutely be relied upon gosh if we could only find that shot he had in summer league yeah only, uh, hopefully he's been working on it you know that, that's the thing we're, we're going to find out uh who who's, has the ability to get to, uh their training done during this quarantine time who did the workouts and who didn't I, I can still see one or two players coming back and they've got this, you know, this like pot belly from having too much uh, home cooked meals and things of that nature. That, that, that would be like uh, the 98, 99 uh, lockout where yeah. we, we saw that happening. Exactly. Exactly. Well, my friend, it's been great talking to you as always. I cannot thank you enough for spending some time with me today. But before we head on out, please, once again, pitch that awesome podcast that you and your brother have known as Viceland. With an S, everyone out there. With yes. an S. Weisland, like Weisenberg. You can find out what the Weisenberg brothers are up to. You can also follow us on Twitter at Weisland, V-I-S-E-L-A-N-D. And um, as far as perspective insight, we have more Q&As coming out. Definitely check out the Stepien. Those guys are doing some fantastic scouting reports as well. And, uh, yeah, Weisland, new episodes every Wednesday. We should have some good stuff coming out for you, and uh, hopefully you check it out. Feel free to leave us a comment, review, five stars only, please. And beyond that, just thank you so much again, Gerald, for having me on Lakers Fast Break. No problem. Glad to do it, my friend. Five stars for five stars. Same thing with us here. Please, if you can, give us that five-star review on Apple Podcasts. If you have any questions, at Lakers Fast Break on Twitter or LakersFastBreak at Yahoo.com. And you know, I thought I had already followed you on Twitter on Viceland. I did just now, just as you were saying it. So, like I said, if you want to know the latest and greatest, go to at Viceland, V-I-S-E-L-A-N-D, to find out all the great things going on with Viceland. Well, my friend, it's been great talking to you. I cannot thank you enough. I want to have you back on soon, talking more great basketball talk, draft talk, NBA talk. And even some stuff about your brother, if you want to go ahead and talk some smack on, you know, to him, <laughs> on him on the side there, that he, you know, he'll have to listen to it just to make sure. But 
I, you know, you two guys just have so great rapport, and I just love to listen to your show. But to tell you what, it's just so great to have you on. Whether or not you talk some smack about your brother, right yeah. here on the Lakers Fast Break Podcast.